0: It's, it's not some other time. Well, you know, we'll have a big time somewhere else. No, it's today, today. So I want to talk about this morning something that just came to my attention. I happened to be uh, reading in my just Bible reading in the book of Hebrews, and something uh, kind of stuck out to me. And And then um, we went to the memorial of uh, Sister Donna's dad, uh, the other the other day and the pastor which was conducting the ceremony read this scripture and uh, the lord just just moved on my heart and challenged my heart again to to uh, open this back up and to talk about this a little bit because um we need to know where jesus is so i want to talk about this morning where i am and not me but where jesus said where i am that where i am and so can you go with me? We're going to, going to read out of John, the 12th chapter, and then we'll skip to the 14th. We'll start in this, um, it's almost a parallel verse in the 12th chapter, and it will be the 26th verse, Jesus speaking. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. That if anyone follows me, Jesus speaking, if anyone follows me, it's an action here, is there, there's There's a verb here that takes place. It's an action word. If anyone follows me, says the Lord. Then, where I am, my servant will be, that makes sense, right? If you were following somebody, and we used to do this when we were kids, remember, follow the leader thing, you know, you march around the yard, whatever they did, you do. Jesus said, if you follow me, you'll be with me. And I'll be with you. And and so this is the perfect sort of scenario to go into the 14th chapter and kind of look at the 14th chapter. And I want to read down a little bit since we've read these verses aloud. So we'll start at the first verse and uh, go down um, to the 10th or 11th, 10th verse. So um, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also, or, and believe into me. He uses the same word, believe, the same tense, same grammar. What you believe about God, believe about me, in essence. In my Father's house are many dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will receive you to myself. Here it is that where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas spoke up and said to him, Lord, we do not know where you go, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes towards the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. (laughs) And from now you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough. He's not listening very close. Jesus said to him, am I so long a time with you, and you have not known me, Philip? The one seeing me has seen the Father. And how do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father is... In me. Let's pray. Lord, we intend to just expand upon the revelation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We intend this morning to lift you up. We intend to expose as best we can to our knowledge. Lord, the light that we have, we want to give that this morning. Lord, and not the light of the flesh and understanding of the flesh, but understanding spiritual, Lord, of prophetic things, of of things beyond just the little flesh mind, flesh speaking. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to speak, you would anoint us to hear. The word of God this morning, we pray in your name, Jesus, amen, amen. In my Father's house are many abodes. In my Father's house. In the 4th century, a man named Jerome was called upon to rewrite the Latin text. They were interpreting the scriptures now into different languages. As we know, the scripture was given in the Greek language. That's why we have a Greek New Testament. Everybody knows that. And they began to uh, translate them into all different languages. And during that time, the last couple of centuries preceding, they had written um, Latin texts. Let me tell you that when you go from one language to another, there's always this possible gap of wording. I've been to Mexico with my uncle and, and he always wants me to preach. It's so hard for me. I don't, you know, I preach by thought, and then I get, I get going, and I say a thought. It's hard for me to stop, and then him interpret that me to pick it back up. You almost like you, you, you lose the, the, you know, the whole thing. It's like, but in a language, uh, translating from Spanish to English, even if we don't even have to go to Greek, but just translating from Spanish to I might say something that's very short and I'm waiting on Uncle Skip and he's going two or three sentences. Or I might say something that's, that's long and now I'm waiting on him before my next thought and he looks at me like I'm done and he didn't say very much. But in the interpreting from one language to another, there always can be this, this lack. And so what the interpreters try to do is that they try to bring the thought not necessarily word for word. Do you understand that in, in uh, translation of languages? It's not always word for word. And so we have the scripture. We have the, um, the the Greek New Testament. Then we have the English translated. We don't know anything other than English, right? Amen. Does anybody here know another language? Some, possibly Spanish a little bit. But so what we do is we trust in the English translation. And it's trusted so much that we we talk about this infallibility of the Word of God. The Word of God is infallible. Translations are not. Anytime men touch something, there's always this possibility of, you know, that could not be exact. And so we have a whole group of people that are called King James only. Has anybody ever met anybody like that? King James only. The King James Version is perfect. The King James Version was just as anointed as the original Scripture. And I'm like, no, 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 no don't do that. That's just absolutely just not the truth. But anyway, Jerome in 400, he translates this, this portion of Scripture under the the idea that this scripture is talking about heaven. And you know if you've heard me preach for a while that you know that I don't believe that that's the rendering of this text. And so when he got to this verse, in my father's house are many... Well, if we're talking about heaven, they're not just abiding places. They are really, really cool abiding places. And so they are mansions. Uses the Latin word mansiones. The, the first interpreter of English scripture out of now, out of the Latin, not the Greek, out of the Latin, he comes and he sees that word mansiones and. And he goes word for word to the English. And so in most of our Bibles, in the King James Version and many other Bibles, not all of them, the translation will read that in my Father's house are many mansions. And because of that, and it's no one's fault. It's just what we've been given. Because of that, we paint this picture of heaven. And it's this hope that Jesus is talking to his disciples on the last night of his earthly existence that he's talking to his disciples about this great comfort that they will be going to heaven someday. And so we do that at funerals, and that's okay. I mean, I believe there's, there's, there's a greatness of heaven that I don't understand. I don't know all about heaven. I don't know what's there, so I can't argue the fact. But if we talk about this scripture here, I believe that Jesus is dealing with these men Not about heaven. He's dealing with them in the sense of I'm going away. Which is going to frighten them down to their core. What they're going to go through for the next few weeks, months, is going to be absolutely a test of whether they're even going to be a follower of Jesus or not. And so he starts this thing with, you've got to believe. You have to believe. You have to believe my words first. If you don't believe the words of Jesus, you're going to have problems. You've got to believe the words of Jesus. And then so he begins to explain to them something. It's not about heaven out there in mansions array. And that's not what I'm going to talk about this morning. But I'm going to talk about where Jesus is. It's the place where I want to be. I come to church. I don't come to church so I can see you all, and I do love it, and I'm so glad that you're here. And that's what makes up the church, and we all worship, and so it's a together thing, members together, one of another, partakers together, koinonia. But if our purpose is just to come and see each other, we could just meet at the park, play horseshoes, drink beer, whatever it is that they do, and just have a good time and fellowship and all go home. That's not what we're here for. There is a specific reason, and it's not just fellowship. It is to be where the Lord is. Because there's something about my Christian life that I'm not able to do unless I come in contact with the Lord. My spirit can't be ministered to in a fleshly way. That, that, that doesn't minister to me. I've got to get to a place where the spirit of the Lord is and where the Spirit of the Lord is, then there is this ministering and liberty in our life. Can you say amen? So now Jesus is going to, and, and I want to discuss this before we get to us because it does have to do with us, but it has to do with these early disciples. And and so he tells them, in my Father's house are many abodes. Now, I liken this because in the early, in the temple, the Jewish temple, the priest went by course, and we know this, John the Baptist, father, Zachariah. How many remembers that he went by the course of Abia? Have you read that in your Bible? He was in the course of Abia. And so he goes there and does the duty for, I think one thing says they were there for four weeks and then another one will say eight weeks. I don't know which, but they performed their priestly duty and. When they performed that priestly duty every day, they stayed on the the temple grounds. There were little apartments that the priest stayed in, and so he would stay for his four weeks, finish his course, and then another one would come in, and they would stay. They had these apartments complex that was there in the temple, and so Jesus is going to liken that to, and he uses this, this phrase, in my father's house. Do you remember when he said that before? You have made my father's house a house of selling and bartering. And remember, he threw the tables over. And so he addressed the temple as my father's house. But now in my father's house are many abodes. But the abodes that he's talking of are permanent abodes. They're not temporary abodes. Do you know that the scripture said that we are priests... And kings with Him. And that our dwelling with Him and our priesthood with Him is not just once in a while. It's not a course one time a year. It's not a Sunday thing. It is we are continually dwelling in a place of the house of the Lord. And so each one of us acting as a priest and our priestly duty... Our duty won't be four weeks. It won't be eight weeks. It won't be the course of Abbey or another course. It will be a continual thing because our Lord is the continual high priest, and we work as priests under the high priest. Amen. And so the Lord has to be teaching them about another abode because the temple or tabernacle that's there only has temporary dwelling for the priesthood. And so Jesus is showing them something else. In Hebrews, the third chapter, um, it talks about Moses and his house and Jesus and his house. And it says of Moses that Moses was faithful. He was a faithful man in his house. And and although Moses didn't have the temple, he had the forerunner of that. That was the tabernacle. So Moses builds that tabernacle. He puts it together, the priesthood all of the implements, the sacrifices, the, the dimensions of the departments of the tabernacle, and he was a faithful, faithful man to do exactly what God had showed him to do. But then it compares him in that third chapter of Hebrews. It compares what Moses did to what Christ Jesus does. He was faithful in his house, he said, but Jesus Christ as a son was faithful In his house. And every house is built by someone, it says. But the glory of the house is not the house itself. The glory of the house is the builder of the house. And the one who built this house is our Lord. Can you say "Amen"? And so the glory doesn't go to the church. The glory doesn't go to the building. The glory doesn't go to the people. The glory goes to the builder, and the builder is the Lord. And and what did he build? Did he build something out of wood and stone and, and, and put that together to be a worship place for him? No, his habitation is another habitation. It says, it goes on to say in Hebrews the third chapter that we become that habitation of the Lord. What? Don't you know, don't you know that you are the temple's The holiest, don't you know that God doesn't dwell in places made of hands? Don't you know that He will only dwell in places that He has made with His hands? So, His house that Jesus built is quite a different house than the temple. The temple is a picture, the tabernacle is a picture of what will come. It is not the real, book of Hebrews says. It's not the real, but it is a picture or a pattern. It's a type, a figure of what would come. And what was coming was so much greater than a temple. So much greater than a temple. And we are part of that this morning. Hallelujah. The only way to bring this to pass, this what I want to call the new father's house. The only way to bring this to pass is to finish the preordained plan of redemption and salvation. Because if he's going to build him a church, it's not going to be out of physical means. It is going to be out of the people. But he can't build him a people without finishing the plan. So it's only obvious, I must Go away. I must go away is not about heaven, not about streets of gold. That's not what he's referring to. I'm I'm going away because I have to complete this mission of redemption for mankind. If I don't go away, salvation will not come. If I do not go away, redemption will not be available. If I don't go away, the kingdom of God will not come so I am going away, but I'm going away. I'm going away to activate the previous statement that he had made in Matthew 16, I will build me my church. Now, if you want to hear songs that talk about Jesus building a, a building for you in heaven, they're on, I'll tell you where they're at. They're on Enlightened. Hear them all the time. And it's like he's got his carpenter bags on, and, man, he's up there working away. He's just a building and a building and working and sweating and going, and and he's just making it just for me, and it's just going to be beautiful. And I've said this, I don't want anybody to take offense, but if we're going to separate mansions in heaven that does sound not, not sound like heaven to me. That sounds like hell to me. Separate from everybody, living in different. I don't even want to be separated from my family, not even today. Well, brother, we're going to put you in a mansion and everything's going to be, no, no, I want my family. I want the church body. I don't want to be separated from you. When we get to glory, I no, no, let's get around the throne. Let's all come together, and we're going to sing praises to our Lord and minister and, and, and glorify him, and and just like we do here, just the preliminaries of what will happen there. And I'm, don't stuff me over in a mansion. I don't want to go there. I want to be with you all. Can you say amen? And so I don't believe this is what Jesus is trying to do. He's He's not going away to build me a mansion. He's going away to start the structure, the foundation of a building process that will not fade away, that can't come down, and that the gates of hell cannot prevent or prevail against it. And he starts this work by going away. I'm going, I'm leaving this bodily, physically I am leaving this place. And like Jesus, he likes to call this new house or this new um, father's house the Ecclesia or the church, the church of the Lord. So without the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension on high, there would be no church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This sentence that says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, should read this way. I am going to make ready a condition for you. When we think of a place, I think that's a good place, you know. Let's let's go over to this place or that place. But really it's in condition that the Lord's trying to make for them, and the condition is so that where I am, there you can be. And I am concerned about the afterlife, aren't you? Say amen. But I'm concerned about right now. I can't get to the afterlife unless I get a hold of him right now. There's no way I'm going to make it in this life. My old physical man, this this old nature of flesh in me is too strong for me to make it on my own. I have to have a connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not then. I need it right now, today, every day. Every day I get up out of that sack. I need the connection of my life in Christ. So I, I want to take you. Brother, brother Colton's over there this morning. All right. If you know how to run that thing already, Exodus 33. And I want to go to the 18th verse, and I want to read you something because I'm paralleling the father's house old and the father's house new. And so let's look at the father's house old here. This is the very beginnings of this. And Moses is up on Sinai. He's on the mountain. He's Talking with the Lord, 18th verse said, Exodus 33 18. Oh, you got your buddy in hiding there, I see. Okay. So, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Really, that's what we all want to see, right? The glory of God. Moses, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And God said to him, and he said, I will make all my goodness to pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And God says again, and he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and, and live. The invisible God. And the Lord said, Behold, listen to this. <clears throat> there is a place by me. There's a place by me, a place. I just said, We're not going to a place. I like what Jesus said when he told the woman at the well there's coming a time that neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem that God is going to receive worship, but those that worship him in spirit and in truth, can you say amen? So instead of a geographical physical location, he does this with Moses way back on the mountain Now, He said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, that while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take my hand away, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. And, you know, I've preached on this before. And we, had some, we had some kids come a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night that wanted to correct us. And so <laughs> I kind of started here and through it. Boy, I just threw a curve at him right away. And he said, well, Moses saw God. And I said, well, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. I will hide you over here in this place. And then I'm going to show you my goodness and cause all my goodness to pass before you. And I will take my hand back so you can see the back parts. But the forward parts, you're not going to see. And Moses did see the back parts. Because Moses is the one who lifted up the pen to paper and began to write, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was out form without form and void. And God, the Spirit of God, moved upon the face of the deep. And it was Moses who got an understanding. How do you think he got that? Oral tradition or just somebody told him that? No. But the glory of God, he sees the glory of God come through the past, and he recalls records it by the strength and might and the Spirit of God. He made an understanding of creation and the value of God creating the heaven and earth comes from the pen of Moses and what he saw. Can you say amen? And then later we know that God is going to show him on this same mountain, this, this same visitation That though Moses will not see the face, he will not see the forward progress of where it's going. He can't see that. Yet God will show him a pattern that looks just like what's going to happen. He doesn't know it, but if you follow the pattern, God says, if you follow the pattern which I show you on the mount, my glory, my presence is going to come down in that place. And there will the glory of God reside. Why? Because it's showing what's going to happen. And as we know, they, they saw the glory of God. Moses erected that tabernacle. And when he was done, the Shekinah glory of God came in that place. The ministers could not even minister by reason of the glory of God. God, show me your glory. And God certainly did answer his plea and his request show him the glory of God but that's an old day and that's an old time and now we have Jesus being ready to go to the cross sacrifice his life for a salvation plan and I think that Philip hones in on this. Show us the Father. I I think it's just like what happened with Moses on the mountain. Who's Moses with? He's with God Almighty. Who are these disciples sitting with? They're sitting with the Lord God Almighty. And Philip, just the same thing came up in him that comes up in every man of God every pursuer of God, every seeker of God. Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Everyone here this morning that has sought the Lord, that has been with the Lord, you've also prayed, God, show me. Show me your glory. Show me your goodness. Show me your life. And these disciples are no different than anybody else. God is with them. God is speaking to them, and yet they want to see the glory of God. And Philip speaks up and says, "Show me the Father." And this is the instant this It's the time where Jesus now can answer that. And he says to them, to to, uh, Philip and the disciples, don't you know how long I've been with you and you do not know who I am. When you see me, you see the glory of God. Don't you understand? I am the glory of God. I am the way, the truth. I am the face of God before you. It's almost like a retake of Moses, isn't it? If we can just see the glory, Jesus will be sufficed. This is what Moses says, oh, God. If you could just show me your glory, Lord, it'll suffice me. And God passed all of his goodness before Moses. Can you say amen? When Moses got done recording the first day, and you know what he said? He said, in the first morning and the first evening were the first day, and it was good. <laughs> he saw the goodness of God. Well, I'm going to tell you what these disciples are going to see. And Jesus says to them from now on, you're going to realize that when you see me, that when you see me, now you didn't know this, and it took it all the way to the last night of his life. And they didn't know it this whole time. Jesus had asked him, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're a prophet. Some say that, that you're one of, one of them come back from the dead. Some say that you're John the Baptist. But who do you say that I am? Peter speaks up, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But yet a second revelation is gonna come to Peter on this night that he's not only the Christ, the Son of God, but he is that everlasting Father that Isaiah spoke about so many years ago. He is the Father of of eternity when you see me you see all there is to see in God I guess when I finally learned that in my life and it took a lot of years anybody that's been raised in a lot of religion it takes you a lot of years to clear it out when I finally begin to see it I realized Lord This is about you. This is about our quest to find Jesus and to see him. And what Moses could not see, the face. If you know anything about prophecy, the face would be going forward. The back parts would be going backwards. Prophecy goes both ways. God knows what happened back then. The secrets will be revealed. He knows what happened there. But also he's going to reveal the mystery of God in the future. Now what Moses could not see, he was not allowed to see. These disciples sit there with great privilege on this night. And according to 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 6, verse, they saw the glory of God in the prosopon, or the face, the personage of Jesus Christ. I think I would have loved to hear the Lord minister, wouldn't you? Somebody said, I love been sitting there when they had to be attitudes. I love be sitting there when the Lord multiplied the bread and all that. Oh, what great miracles. When he called Lazarus out of the grave. This is the greatest moment of these disciples' life. That they realize who it is that's sitting in front of them. Christian believer, I want to tell you this. When you come to a realization that it's not about people, it's not about ministers, it's not about songs, it's not about music, It's about coming face-to-face with the one that we serve, that holy master that we serve. And so we want to be where he is. Can you say amen? So out of this teaching, this teaching is intertwined with the old and the new. And those that think it's just about building a mansion in heaven, that's okay. You go that direction, and I won't even be mad at you. It's okay. But here I see out with the old in with the new. In an old tabernacle there was so much restriction. Only just the high priest could go in and really face God. Now you and I have come to the Holy of Holies. The most sanctified place possible for humanity, the holy of holies of God. Sometimes we treat God as though it, it just becomes so common with us. If we're not careful, we, we treat God common. just like it's not really special. There's nothing so special. Let, let me tell you this. If you treat everything the same, there is nothing special to you. I purposely treat some things different. That's why I do not want to come here and act like the church is a common thing, that church is, hey, let's just dress down, let's just come in here any old way, hey, grab you some drinks and soft drinks and some French fries and sit out there and eat while I'm talking. No, no, no. There's something holy and precious about God's things. They're different than everything else. But it's up to us to move in that direction. So when we look at the church and the honor of God in the church and we look, compare ourselves. Have you ever done this? I don't know if you've compared yourself as a minister to ministers back in the temple. I'm telling you what, that high priest got his stuff on and he's getting ready to go into the Holy of Holies. Not wondering if he's, he's wondering if he's coming back out. In fact, it got to the place where it is tradition. They said that they tied a rope on his foot. Just in case he died in there, they'd pull him out. They didn't want to go in after him. But the honor and respect that shrouded that place, and we've just left it like, oh, it's just everything common now. And the Lord specifically said, don't call. What I have made pure, don't call it common. It's sacred, can you say that? So there's a few things about this new father's house, the permanent abodes. It's, it's a place where you and I and I've already talked about that you and I can not just minister in but remain in. It's a house of spiritual content, not about flesh. A lot of about what happened in the temple was about flesh. And I'm going to tell you something about me. And the Lord's been speaking to me. And, and uh, somebody said, what's it going to look like when we, when we redo? And, you know, we, we've got to get a church, got to get a building. Got to... And the Lord's been speaking to me already. That we're not going up the way the rest of the church world is going. To the flash, to the, to the, to the expensive, to the shiny. The Lord's not looking for that. What God's looking for in our life is to strip ourselves from the fleshly stuff. That's all for flesh. That is not for God. So, well, we're building a house for the Lord. You build a house for the Lord, it might look something like the the Feast of the Tabernacles when they just piled up brush and lived in that for a little while so they could humble themselves. God is not impressed with buildings. Can you say amen? God is not impressed with good music. He's not impressed with the pomp and ceremony. He's not impressed. With any of that, what he's impressed in is that people humble their heart to be in fellowship with him and to know him and to walk with him and experience him. So the Lord's saying to me, don't take the fleshly route. Don't go to what appeals to the flesh. Can you say amen? What appeals to the flesh doesn't appeal to God. He'd care anything about that. Finally, in this house, this Father's house, Jesus is the head over the church. And it's all about Him. Can you say Amen? Now I want to bring in, I'm going to wind down here. I'm having a great time. I don't know if anybody else is. But I'm having a good time in the Lord, bringing His Word. So now I want to bring in this statement of Jesus where. Two or three, Matthew 18, where two or three, uh, the King James Version said, are gathered together in my name. Uh, The original uh, text will say this, where two or three, that synagogue uses the word uh, synago in the Greek, where two or three, what does synagogue say to you? Yeah, we're just getting together and, and just, you know, popping off the hip, having a great time. No. We're talking about that sacred sacred place again, right? We're two or three synagogue for the purpose of the name of the Lord. He says, there am I in the midst. Now I want to take this a step further. Just listen, you've been in church all your life, but, but I want you to hear this, because Sometimes we still think it's the building. It's not the building. We have people that come here off and on. We've had visitors come and visitors go. and Visitors, you know, and, and, and people come and go. If it was the building, then they come immediately in contact with the Lord and they are changed. It's not the building. But where two or three come together, synagoguing in my name. That's where he is. It's like, oh, Lord, come down and be with us. No, he's already there because that's the format in which he has his ecclesia or church is that we assemble in his name and we assemble in his name to praise his name, to speak his name, to speak his word. That's where he's at. So it's not so much that he comes to where we are, but that we go to where he is. I know, and there are, there are times in the scripture, there are references where the, where the Lord came down and did things in, in people's life. He came to them. But if you look at the pattern of, of the temple and the tabernacle, they came to him. And the Lord said, at least three times a year, all the males that call themselves Jews will come to the tabernacle at least three feasts a year. Because that's the gathering together. And I'm not against, I pray at home, and I know that you pray at home, and God bless you, you should pray at home But there's this thing about synagoguing. There's this thing about coming together in the name of Jesus and giving him praise and glory. And there's this thing that says that's where he is. He's not out on the crink even though he is everywhere. Yet his presence, his face, his glory isn't always you don't go see it fishing. You know that the Lord is there and, and you can fellowship there But I'm telling you what, if you want to see his face, you get together in the synagoguing of the people, and that's where he is. He said, I am in the midst of that thing. I've never failed. That when we've had some kind of what we call church, that can be just a prayer meeting. That can be just a Bible study at home. But it never fails. If you come in there sincerely before the Lord, that's where he is. He's not in watching TV. He doesn't care about that. He's not in going out and playing golf. And I mean, he's not against it. He just doesn't have any clubs. He's not going out. But I'll tell you what he is in. He's in coming together under his name. That's where he is. I say, Lord, God, I want to be where you are. Thank you, Lord. So getting to where he is may require us some things. Are you ready for this? Say amen. If you're ready to go home, say amen. Okay. Now I'm going to do this thing. I only got two more seconds. How many will give me five more minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. I went to a UPC church and learned that. That is awesome. That's what I got. It was beautiful. And he did too, man. He preached a while longer. <clears throat> I'm not going to go too far. So. Getting to where the Lord is may require a few things in our life. Jesus said you got to get down to the rock. The man that's seeking after the Lord, he gets down to the rock. What does he mean by that? There's some dirt in the way. There's some layers. There's some stuff that's just overgrown. The rock's down. I know I know the rock's down, and I've got to get to it. So you're going to have to uncover some things in your life. You're going to have to be willing to uncover some religious ideas and notions to get to where he's at. Some unscriptural traditions and teachings and things that, that really don't parallel with what he says here in the 14th chapter of John and kind of get rid of that stuff and peel it away. Just put it back, dig it out. Sometimes it's going to take a little effort on your part to get to where the Lord is. I just want him to come down. I'm on the couch. I'm just there. Lord, come and visit me. Well, he may do that, but I would say most of the time, you're going to have to dig away the layers of earth. Next, sometimes you're going to have to press through the crowd. The little woman with the issue, if I can just touch him. There's this great crowd around him, and that little woman said, i got to get there. I've got to touch him. She's not going to get healed standing out there looking at him. She's going to have to activate something that says, I'm going through the crowd. I don't care who they are mama you're in my way excuse me I'm going to have to get by you here grandpa move over just a little bit I know you're a good man and, and I believe you're teaching and everything but I've got to get by you here I've gotta, I'm have got. i going to the Lord I can't let friends and family children my children sometimes get, get back just a little bit right now I've got to get to the Lord and, and I'm not going through you to get there I've got to get to him I've got to see him I've got to have him minister his glory and his goodness in my life, so I love you. I love your friends, but I'm going to have to turn from what you're doing and what we're doing, and I'm just going to have to get to where the Lord's at. Can you say amen? So I've made that practice in my life. I know that many of you have too, is that 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 I love everybody, friends and family. We love everybody, but but I can't let that get in my way of pressing on and getting to the Lord. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. And then finally, there's going to be some self-denial. This Why do we always have to go here? I don't know. Lord, you shouldn't have put that in the scripture. It would just be easier for us. Whoever wants to follow after me, that's one of the main things you're going to have to do is deny the flesh. And that's so hard. That's really the hardest thing. Is the denial of the flesh. Because I want to do this and that. Right? I don't want to do that, Lord. I want to do this. But sometimes I'm just going to have to push through it. Can you say amen? Say, I'm laying you down, you rascal. You don't want to pray. You don't want to do nothing. All you want to do is eat and watch television. And I'm going to deny that old flesh. You know, that's why we, you know, we did this fasting. And it's just a day. Well, what, is there anything super about it when I'm done fasting? Oh boy, I'm going to be a super agent for the Lord. No, not really. But you have denied the flesh. Denying the flesh is one of the keys of getting close to the Lord. And I'm just because you denied the flesh, but but if you are seeking after Him and you put the flesh down, they that seek are going to find. Can you say Amen? And so let me end with this. Sometimes in our frustration, we say, Lord, where are you? And I don't want to raise hands because I don't want anybody to be too pious this morning. I, Mr. Big Preacher Man, have been frustrated and said, Lord, where are you at? It just that's us. Certain thing happening, something going wrong, been praying about a thing, you know, all, all kinds of scenarios. And we're like, God, where are you? But I hear his voice echoing from the garden. Adam, Adam, where are you? I know where he's at. I just don't know where I'm at. I've got to find my way. Adam, you know, I, I believe Adam did restore fellowship with the Lord. I, I believe. I believe he did that. I don't think it was like the former walking in the cool of the garden and all I don't, I don't think it was that way, but but he did restore fellowship with the Lord, and he feared the Lord and trusted the Lord. But there was a point in his life that. God had to say, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And so I'd ask that question this morning. Where are we? Sometimes, Lord, I just, you know, I don't feel you. I don't feel. And I'm not going to ask it again because I've been there myself. I don't feel nothing. In fact, I feel minus something. Why am I so empty? Why, Why am I? I just... Man, I've been to church, too, and everybody else was tears coming down their eyes and shouting and everything. And there I am, like, wow, you know, I wonder if I'm going to make it through this service. Some people are so depressed. I got this from an old preacher. he, He preached, he said, some people are so depressed in church, you have to lead them out to their car. That's pretty depressed. And I know that we've all experienced a lot of those kind of things. I really do believe the ticket at least for my life and I think you'll find this just common with, it, with, with with everybody is that it isn't that God has gone anywhere it's where I am there you may be also but I'm going to have to condition myself to get to where he is can you say amen amen a lot of we, what we do in the Christian life is conditioning ourselves just to, just to do it God's way. Just okay, Lord, yes, yes, yes. So this morning I would say to you, I present to you, and and uh, I just believe with all my heart that we we get in a condition <clears throat> to where the Lord is, He's going to take care of everything in our life. Going to take care of everything, the struggles begin to go down when we get in his presence. What's that old song It says, you know, the earthly things grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. Musicians, would you come? We're just going to play that right now and, and sing that. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.